I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Today we're talking about some more essential fly fishing gear. And on this 273rd episode of the podcast, we're doing it in the context of what you need to know if you are starting fly fishing, if you're interested in starting fly fishing, or if you're wanting to help someone walk through the most essential things that you need to know to get started in fly fishing. And that's what the purpose of this Cast One series is on the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. This is the third episode in this series. Uh, at present, it's planned to be a nine-episode series with some more content in the future uh, that is going to augment it. But the first episode in this series had to do with the idea of what is fly fishing. It's something that you kind of know on the periphery. You kind of know what it looks like from the side view. But if you go to actually talk through what makes fly fishing different, what makes it distinct, uh, that might be a little bit more of a challenge. So I tried to help articulate that. Secondly, we talked about rods, reels, and lines. This is truly what differentiates fly fishing from conventional fishing. And it's where you're going to probably throw the most of your money initially. And it's also a important thing to at least understand when it comes time to shop or even just use this gear. But today we're continuing gear talk and gear is, is essential in one sense. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like you have to have all the gear or you have to have the best gear to enjoy fly fishing because something that I mentioned last week is that I am a big proponent of new anglers going to a fly shop or even a big box store and buying a pre-assembled fly fishing kit. Uh, that is how I started years and years ago. That is how my kids started, even with all the gear that I have. Um, and that is how I encourage people to get their feet wet when it comes to fly fishing. Find something that a quality gear manufacturer has put together where all the pieces go together well. Uh, that you don't have to go out and, and try to find all the corresponding parts. Now, if you have a great fly shop locally, then they can do this for you. But there's a very good chance that they're not going to be able to do it for you as economically as they they could simply just sell you a pre-assembled kit. And in these pre-assembled kits, you'll probably get a case, which is always fantastic. It's not an essential piece to have, but it's really good for keeping your investment, whether it be $100 or $250. You have your rod, you're going to have your reel, you're going to have your line, and then you're going to have a couple other very vital 
pieces of gear. Because one of the big differences between conventional fishing, using a spinning rod or a casting rod or a spin casting rod, your little Zebco 444, and fly fishing is that you don't tie your lure to your line. Your fly line, once again, is a nylon core with a PVC coating. And as we talked about last week, it is tapered. And the reason for that is there is a weight to it, and there is a weight that has a taper so that when you throw it backwards and forwards with your fly cast, you're casting your line. You're not casting the fly. You cast the line, and it pulls the fly with it. But because it is this specially designed tapered fly line, you're not going to be trimming it every time you tie on a new fly. You are attaching to the end of your fly line a leader, and that leader is made up of monofilament. And then at the end of this leader, this monofilament leader, you're going to attach your fly. So this this is the order of operations. It goes fly, leader, line, and then we'll talk about a couple of the other pieces that go into that. But let's talk about leaders real quick. Leaders actually are something that I didn't even mess with understanding for the first few years of fly fishing. And the reason for that is, is that you can buy a pre-tied or a mechanically tapered leader that has no knots in it. That is a seven and a half or nine or 12 foot stretch of monofilament. What is monofilament? It is fishing line as you know it. It is that nylon material that is usually translucent that maybe have a very little sheen of green or a little bit of blue. And it is going to be the, the normal stuff that you're used to tying a hook on and a bobber and throwing out and, and trying to catch fish that way. We use the exact same material in fly fishing. There are a couple other materials, fluorocarbon being one of them, um, some more rigid materials uh, that, that can be used in some specialty situations or saltwater. But by and large, that monofilament, the very same stuff that you have all on your normal conventional fishing reel, is what you're going to use as a leader. Now, if you are familiar with conventional fishing, you understand the idea of a leader. It is a stretch of material that's on the terminal end of your fishing rig, and it's going to be a little bit more precisely engineered for whatever particular purpose you are finding yourself in. So if you are a dyed-in-the-wool bait angler, then you have a, a leader material that may be different than the normal running line, the stuff that kind of gets wound around your reel. In fly fishing, it's very, very similar. Only the benefit here is one, you're not using that thick PVC fly line. Um, and two, you're using something that is thinner and tapered down because you want, when you make that cast, because again, you're casting that PVC fly line, you want something that is going to have a nice taper, which allows for a transition of energy from that fly line as it unrolls, as you make that cast that you've seen on insurance commercials that you may have even tried yourself, that goes from a thicker diameter down to a thinner, thinner diameter so that that incredibly light, practically weightless fly unrolls and drops down gently. And so, like I said, this is something you can buy pre-assembled ready to roll and the point where you don't even need to tie a fancy knot to go from the end of your fly line to the this the beginning of this leader it's actually a loop to loop connection and a loop to loop knot this is not very good way to describe knots i've always maintained knots are not what you want to talk about on a podcast but you basically if you you drop one loop over another loop and then you run the tag end of that that uh, first loop through the, <laughs> the loop of the second loop really good to listen to right but what that means is it's a a a knot free connection. You don't have to tie a single knot. 
and you can buy these. And again, in seven and a half, nine foot or 12 foot sections, and you have to match up the diameter of the terminal end where you tie the fly on to that fly. And that's for a few reasons. And this is really important. And this is something that there's actually a little bit of debate in fly fishing on how light of, of leader material you should use. And you have two things to pay attention to. One is, can you fit the monofilament through the eye of the hook? That's the first thing. If you can't fit the monofilament through the eye of the hook, then you have to go to a lighter monofilament. If you're used to using conventional gear, you might be used to eight pound test, 14 pound test, maybe even 20 pound test if you're fishing for big fish. When you go to fly fishing, we don't use pound test. Now there is a pound test rating, but we use an X system and it goes in reverse. So zero X is thicker than one X, one X is thicker than two X down to five, six, seven. And when some people see six and seven X for the first time, they are completely flabbergasted that such a thing could be used to even catch a fish of any sort of significant size. But the fact of the matter is, is it, it finds itself between four and six pound test and those very, very light X weights. But that's one of the first things that you have to do is you have to figure out the size of the fly that you're using. And that will be one of the main determining factors on what size leader material you use. Now it's very handy on the back of most of the little packages for these things. It will give you charts what the X size is and how that corresponds to the hook size and hook size of flies. Uh, we, we haven't talked about yet and that yet in this series, but they also uh, ascend as as they get smaller. So a size four fly is smaller than a size six fly and so on and so forth. Most flies are you're going to find are going to be between for, for, for trout fishing between something like two and 20. You can get bigger flies, you can get smaller flies, but that's kind of the, the general gist of it. And a size two fly is a significant size fly. I mean, it might be the size of like a, like a peanut, right? Uh, and a size 20 fly, it might be this, you know, the size of a ladybug. So pretty teeny tiny. Um, but this is one of the main reasons why you choose your leader diameter. The other one has to do with how supple that material is. Because once again, in fly fishing, the, one of the reasons why we do it outside of preference is that we're able to present incredibly small lures, flies in a very natural way. And you want a material that is light enough and supple enough in that river's current that it doesn't maneuver that fly, but the current is what maneuvers that fly. So you need to make sure that your leader material is of a diameter, that it fits through the eye of that hook. And secondly, that it is not going to be rigid in that current, pulling that fly around in an unnatural manner, because the fish will notice that. The fish aren't incredibly bright, but they have been created to do a few things. As I've said before, one is to eat. And so they focus on eating things and they are going to want to eat things that look like the other things they've eaten in the past. And a fly that's being pulled across the current in a sideways manner may entice a strike, but it also may freak them out because they've never seen anything like that before. And if they know anything, it's what food looks like. So this is what leader material is. Now you might tie a fly on, lose the fly in the tree, tie a fly on, lose the fly in a fish, tie a fly on, change fly, change fly, change fly. And all of a sudden you've tied seven or eight or 10 knots in that seven and a half, nine foot or 12 foot leader that you bought and you, you attached in your fly line. What do you do now? That was thing cost five bucks. Do you now have to start over again because you've clipped that thing back and because it is tapered, now you're into a much thicker segment of that tapered leader because you've been cutting off an inch, two inch, three inches every time you tie a new knot. Well, you could put on an entirely new leader or 
is probably a better idea is you tie on a new stretch of monofilament and you do so from a little spool and that is called tippet. So tippet is leader material. It's monofilament also. It's the same thing. My preference, nine times out of 10, I buy the same brand of tippet material as leader. Now, to be very transparent, one of the things you can also do is build your own leaders using tippet material by figuring out a formula. This is actually really beneficial. There's some very helpful ways to do this. But what I still do more often than not is I use that knotless tapered leader that you buy in a little envelope. And then after I change flies six or eight times, or if there's some sort of special situation that arises, then I'll cut it off maybe a foot into it and then tie on tippet material. This allows you to maintain that piece of equipment, that leader, not be wasteful, and adjust that leader for your circumstances. So it may be tying on a lighter weight piece of tippet so that you can fit that diameter of that monofilament through the eye of the fly. Or it might mean tying on a really long length of tippet so that you have a very natural drift in glassy water. Now, some of this stuff is a little bit more advanced, but it's nice to know that you have that flexibility where you're not necessarily going to be changing your fly line, and you might not necessarily be changing your fly, but you can even adjust your leader to create a different cast and a different drift. This is something that not a lot of people necessarily, when they begin fly fishing, stop and mess with. And some of that is the um, uh, just the, the, how daunting it might be to tie knots using such small diameter material. But this is something that needs to be in everyone's repertoire. It only takes a few minutes to tie these knots and tie these flies on, and it can make a significant dis- difference in your casting as well as in the presentation, what that fly looks like when it, it lands on the water and is in front of a fish. Hopefully it's clear that from the last episode and this episode, I think line and leader are two of the most necessary things for people to spend time on when they start. And it's small money. I mean, line is not super cheap, but it's relatively cheap compared to rods and reels. And leader material and tippet material is also very, very cheap. And my suggestion is to use as much of it as you need. Don't hesitate to try on some, clip off some, tie on more. That is going to have a significantly outsized influence on the presentation of your fly. There's one more one more thing that, that we have to mention. So again, what did I say before? If you're going from your business end of your fly fishing rig back towards you, you have a fly, maybe some tippet, but that's part of your leader. And then it goes to your fly line, that tapered PVC fly line going up through the, the tip of the rod, down through the guides, onto the reel. And then you have between 75 and 100 feet of fly line. And then behind that, you have backing. And all backing is, is a woven braided nylon and it accomplishes two main things. Uh, You probably aren't going to see it a whole lot if you're fly fishing for trout under most circumstances, and even warm water fish under most circumstances. But what it does is it adds a little bit of distance to what you can do. So you make a 75 foot cast, which is a pretty long cast, but say you make a 60 foot cast and you hook into a large trout. You have a maybe an 80 feet of fly line, maybe 10 feet of leader material. If that fish goes for a run and starts pulling line off of your reel, you only have about 30 feet, if my math serves me correctly, to play with. This backing gives you now something like 150, maybe even 200 more feet to play with. So it adds some more play of how much line, for using in a generic term, uh, is on your reel. Secondly, what it does is it bulks out the middle of that fly reel 
adding a material that makes the that middle circumference wider so that that fly line as it sits on your reel isn't as in tight little coils so as because it's, it, it is a plastic so it is going to smooth out but as you pull it off your reel it's not going to be in tight little corkscrews it's going to be in wider loops and it's not going to have that memory as you cast it and as you fish with it um, but backing again, it's, it's important, but it doesn't cost a lot of money and there's a very good chance you're not going to use it. As you recall from last episode, I, I mentioned that, you know, reels are made to accommodate maybe two to four different line weights. And so the diameter of a four weight line is significantly smaller than the diameter of a six weight line, but you may use the same reel. Adjusting how much backing is on that reel will allow you to use both of those lines on that same reel, not the same time, of course, maybe you have two spools, but allows you to use both of those lines and then they both are at their widest point possible where they're not tightly coiled around the center of that reel. So backing allows you to do that. What my suggestion is, whether you're a pro uh, and you don't have the equipment or you're brand new and you probably won't have the equipment either, is if you get backing and line for a new reel, go to a fly shop and have them put it on there for you. I have tried every little trick in the book and in for winding couple, uh, you know, hundred feet of line and backing on a reel, and you can never get it as smooth or as tight with any little trick at home as you can at a machine in a fly shop. And that can be your local mom and pop fly shop. It can be a Bass Pro. They have this equipment and as long as the person knows how to run it, then it is going to put that stuff on your reel in a tight, even fashion, which, uh, which leads to it coming off smoother and it going back on smoother for you. So that's my my two cents on, on how you do that. So I, I mean, I've spent 15 minutes talking about leader and backing. But these, these are important things. Now, a couple other pieces of gear to touch on. One, you need a way to keep your stuff. <laughs> then you can do whatever is comfortable for you. You know, a lot of people want that traditional looking fly fishing vest. They work great. I've used a chest pack. I've used a sling pack. I've used a backpack. I've used a fanny pack. There's all sorts of different options that you can use. You can even just have a pair of pants with some pockets and a shirt with a couple pockets and drop things in there. A lot of people like using lanyards just to have the bare minimum of the gear that you need. Now, I'm not going to go into the minutia of all the different accessories that you need, but you're going to need a place to keep your flies. And so there's lots of good fly box styles. There's not one that's better than the other. My preference when it comes to keeping flies is not waterproof. Well, why is that? Because waterproof, although it keeps water out, if water gets in, it also keeps the water in. And even if you never drop your fly box in the water, when you put a fly back in it, if there is moisture in the feathers and the fur of that fly, then that moisture is going to stay in that fly box on that fly and probably moving to the flies that are completely adjacent to it. So although it is a great sales pitch to say this is a waterproof fly box, I'm not a huge fan of, of those. Um, I do have a couple. I just have to be very, very careful when I'm done fishing that I open that thing up and allow it to dry out. Um, there's other things that are very, very important to have a pair of nippers and they can be $2 uh, nail clippers, or they can be $150 plus fancy fly fishing nippers. But this is not only helpful for making nice 
clean, precise cuts of the tippet and leader material tie-on, but they usually also come with a little bit of a, a, a pointy needle looking thing that cleans out those hook eyes. Because when flies are tied, we haven't really talked about flies, but that's going to come in the episode. Um, there's a cement that's applied to hold all those materials together. And sometimes that gets in that hook eye and there's nothing more frustrating on the stream than not being able to put that tiny diameter uh, leader material through your fly hook just to find out that you, it's impossible because it's completely coated over with an epoxy or a glue. So being able to poke through that is very helpful. Uh, pliers are good for doing all sorts of things, but probably one of the most important one is pulling a hook out of whatever it's in. You're going to want a pair of pliers for that, whether it is the mouth of a fish, whether it is the material of your net, whether it is the sleeve of your jacket, or whether it is your own person. Having a pair of forceps is very important when it comes to that. There's some other things that really matter. There's a material uh, that can help dry out flies, a couple of different materials, and there's a couple of, of compounds, chemicals that you can apply to your fly to keep it floating. If you are indeed floating a dry fly, it's called floatant. It's also very important to have. But one of the other things that when you think of fly fishing, you probably think of is standing in a river. Now, I am a huge fan of weather permits of not using any sort of special gear aside from shoes that give me good traction on the stream bottom. But we almost always think of using waders when we are fishing. If we're fishing in cold water or we just don't want to get wet, then we get a pair of waders. It's important to get a pair of waders that is not too baggy and loose because the more material that is flowing freely between your legs, or on your torso creates more drag in the current and makes it harder for you to stay upright and move around. But you also don't want something so tight that it is constricting and you're in, unable to layer up underneath it. So go and try on waders or find a company that you can shop online and they're okay with you returning them after you try them on. And then boots go on top of these waders. Uh, I know a lot of people that will buy fancy waders and then just use normal like run-of-the-mill hiking boots on top of it. I would not encourage you to do that for a few reasons. One, wading boots are specifically designed using materials that will dry out quickly, so they're not going to stay wet forever. Secondly, they're designed to go over waders. Um, and thirdly, they have special compounds on the bottom, both in design of shape and material that allow for greater traction on stream beds. So whether it be smooth rocks, gravel, mud, whatever it may be. They come in different configurations with spikes, with just rubber, sometimes even felt, and each has their place. And there's other content on casting across that goes through uh, the, the virtues and the downfalls of each. And I would encourage you to check that out. But that's one of those simple questions that people just assume everyone knows. You get a pair of waders, and then you find a pair of wading boots that goes over those waders that keeps you dry, it keeps you comfortable, and it keeps you upright. Um, I am a huge proponent of Flyline. I've already mentioned that last podcast because that can improve your casting. I'm a huge proponent of wading boots because they're going to keep you upright, safe, and comfortable. will keep you on the water longer. And the last thing that I'm a huge proponent of when it comes to gear that's you know not the most sexy uh, fly fishing gear is sunglasses. Sunglasses are vital for protecting your eyes as you're casting, whether you are a new caster or an experienced caster. It can just be one gust of wind or one lapse of, of paying attention and that fly line and that 
that hook is going to be whacking you in the face. It's happened to me by myself. It's happened to me as I've guided people. And so having those glasses is essential for protection. But a good pair of polarized glasses is going to allow you to not just see fish. That's kind of what we jumped to. Okay, we're polarized glasses. You can see fish. That is true. But more than that, it's going to help you see bottom contours, which shows you where fish might be, even if you can't see fish because they are camouflaged, submerged structure for the same purpose. But then also as you wade, it's a huge safety benefit for you to see the contours of where you're walking when you're on the water. And so there's also a lot of fly fishing sunglass content over at castingacross.com and in the podcast archives. I would encourage you to check that out, but don't cheap out on sunglasses. Get a good quality polarized pair of sunglasses. Now, when I think about fly fishing gear, there's dozens of things that pop into my head, but what it comes down to is a place to store stuff a pair of waders and a pair of wading boots, and a couple of essentials. Once again, a good fly shop can walk you through the things you need and will steer you away from the things that are kind of wants. There are so many fun little gadgets. There's so many things that, again, you get on the archives of Casting Cross, you're going to see little little pieces of gear that uh, you know cost anywhere between 5 and 50 bucks that I use all the time or that I use sometimes. But really when it comes down to it, you need a place to keep your flies and a way to get your fly uh, off of your line and a way to get that uh, that fly um, out of the mouth of the fish. Uh, those are some of the most essential things. And other, other things will pop up as you go, but know that you can get by with very little. Well, this has been the third uh, part of the Cast One series. And at this point, what we're going to transition to in the coming weeks is the flies, the fish, where to find the fish, how to present the flies to them. So these preliminary matters are important only because they are the means to an end, the end being you getting in front of those fish. And I think for all of us, gear is a fun part of the adventure. Uh, it is an essential part. People who say, I don't care about what rod I use. Okay, well, do you use a rod? Yes. Why? Because the one I have. Okay, good enough. But for many of us, finding that rod that fits us, fits how we cast, fits our particular fishing scenarios is a fun part of this as well. So hopefully this information has been helpful to you. If you have a specific question, I have three pieces of advice for you, whether it be about rods or waders or lines or leaders or whatever it may be. One, uh, go to your local fly shop, uh, Google it, go talk to an expert. Two, uh, I know a few things about it. Don't hesitate to reach out to me, Matthew at castingacross.com. If something I said was unclear, I'd gladly uh, help uh, articulate it better. And if, if it's something that I truly said that was unclear because I did a really bad job, I'm happy to correct it on an upcoming podcast. And thirdly, uh, go to castingacross.com. And like I've been saying, go to the archives. I've dealt with the minutia of fly fishing for about eight years. There's a good chance I do a deep dive on all of the pieces of gear that I mentioned and plenty that I didn't even bring up on this episode of the podcast. This week on castingacross.com, the first article is called Fly Fishing Art Show. So I went to the New Jersey uh, stop of the Fly Fishing Show, and uh, this article I put together all of the different um, artists that showed up there. So I profiled six of them. Very, very brief. I put up some examples of their artwork and I put links to all of their their shops. I mean, there's $20 things and there's $2,500 things on this, but I'm a huge fan of supporting local artists. Um, and uh, if you need fly fishing stuff, then this is a great way to do it. 
Second article this week was called Slap Happy, Lig Rig, Lid Rig Mag Band. And the uh, Lid Rig Mag Band is a great piece of equipment that is built on a slap bracelet, okay? The Lid Rig Mag Band is a slap bracelet with a magnet on it, and it allows you to hold some flies on your wrist. It allows you to uh, put some uh, a, a tool on your wrist. There's just so many things that you can do with this simple piece of gear. And I love simple pieces of gear that allow you to do a lot of things. So definitely check out that article, how I use it, and how you can get a hold of one. This week's recommendation on the podcast is, wait for it, the lid rig mag band. All right. I may, that might be simple. That might be easy, but, uh, Scott, uh, the guy behind the company is a great guy. I got to hang out with him for a little bit and, but I've been using this product a lot uh, for a long time before I, I met him. And here's the thing that, that, uh, if you've been fly fishing for a long time, if you tie flies, this is the one use of this piece of equipment that, that kind of, uh, I hadn't thought about, but I started using it in this capacity more. Um, I am not a super proficient and efficient fly tire. So every time I have to put something down and pick something up, it adds some time. And so maybe instead of tying a half dozen flies, I only end up tying four or five flies. Then you think, oh, I spent all that time doing that. To have this little magnetic spot on my forearm allows me to put a pair of scissors right there. And instead of reaching across my tying desk, I just swivel my hand and they're right there at the ready. It sounds simple. It sounds almost like, well, well, why would you need something that is 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 so rudimentary like that? But the fact of the matter is, it does cut down on the energy and the effort that goes into doing a repetitive motion. And if you know anything about ergonomics, um, organizational uh, strategy, uh, cutting down on repetitive motions that require you to deviate from the main thing that you're doing is a great way to increase productivity. And for for this simple little product, having it there on my wrist when I'm tying does wonders. So uh, once again, I'll refer you to that article, uh, the Slap Happy, the Lidrig Magband. I'll put a link to the article itself on the show notes for this podcast page over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.